Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The future of college football, specifically the Big Ten. We've got Ron DeSantis versus Donald Trump. And, well, the best case to have ever been made against Joe Biden in the 2024 election cycle. Yes, it is a truth or fiction Tuesday right here on Critical Thinking. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oni. Let's get in to said critical thinking. Good truth or fiction Tuesday to you, Pat. Uh, good truth or fiction Tuesday to you, Andrew. Should we make this like a holiday, a weekly holiday? Where people grab their best coffee brand coffee from coffeebrandcoffee.com and join us. I mean, isn't every day a holiday joining us then with their coffee brand coffee? Because that is our sponsor. Pat, we had this conversation off air yesterday. We did? Yes. Well, specifically on air and then again off air. Uh-huh. About your lack of enthusiasm for small talk to begin a show. Okay. What's the point here? Either the morale picks up or. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I, uh-huh. uh. The beatings will continue until morale improves. Um. <laughs> Uh, but it is a truth or fiction tuesday we've got some ron desantis versus donald trump uh two doses of it actually we're gonna be talking about the big 10 college football and the future of college athletics and um well the case against joe biden summed up very nicely in about two minutes like i seriously don't need to make another case against joe biden but um, let's go ahead and start with Ron DeSantis versus Donald Trump. Okay. Um, because I think this is a very obvious. Outside of the fact that uh, Tim Scott, um, interestingly enough, is playing the Iowa caucus game pretty well. 
outside of Tim Scott, Ron DeSantis is really the only one running hard in the state of Iowa. That That's not what Donald Trump is doing at all. He is just cacheting on his name at this point in time. Now, it is early, but what do we know about the state of Iowa? We know this, that paying attention to it, going to the state fair, visiting every county, doing those small gatherings at people's homes, you know, the 25, 30 person gathering matters a lot. Iowans, having lived there through the 2008 primary season, lest you forget what was going on with Barack Obama and and Hillary Clinton and all that, right? Right. Having lived through that, I can tell you that Iowans value their face time with the candidates more than almost anything else. That's the reality of what they want out of their candidates. And I have no problem with them demanding certain things of their candidates if they want their vote in a caucus. Um, but that being said, we, it's very clear there are two front runners. That's Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. And Donald Trump has a significant lead in the polls if you want to believe them this far out. Um, but that being said, online, if you pay attention, we see an absolutely massive, disgusting, knockdown, dragout fight, right? You mm-hmm. see it every day. Mm-hmm. Some of it, some of the worst of the worst. Sometimes it's not terrible. Other times it's really, really bad. So my first truth or fiction is this, Pat. The fight between DeSantis and Trump supporters online is not real life. Truth or fiction? Truth. Mm. And the reason why I will say that is because I, I'm pretty sure Donald Trump has done this before in the um, previous elections. Okay. Um, when he was running is, is he has a bot army online. Um, what I mean by that is, is that you have a bunch of fake accounts that are in support of you mm-hmm. or will fight for you type of a deal. will engage and do all these like, crazy debates and things like that and throw mm-hmm. out insults. Um, they're, they're fake accounts. They're not real. They're bots. Mm. Um, I absolutely believe that um, that's been proven. It's been an effective campaign strategy for, for different campaigns. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying it's dumb for him to do this. Um, I think Ron DeSantis might even be doing it to some degree as well. It, I mean, I, I don't know to what extent, but yeah, I I absolutely say that's truth. You have a freaking bot army online to stir the pot, to cause division, to separate yourself in the election, to kind of garner up your base and, and split sides. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely believe that. So you want truth that it's not real life. Correct. I, I a thousand percent agree with you. A thousand percent agree with you. That number one, there are bots, but there are bots on both sides, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's not limit this Mm -hmm. to Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. But the fight that goes on online, the insanity, the Casey DeSantis didn't have cancer, the this and that, and all the the Christina Pushaw versus Alex Bruzowitz and Laura Loomers. What's a Laura Loomer to 99% of the people that you speak with? in public, right? Yeah, ain't nobody care. 
Yes, exactly. Nobody really cares about this online fight. Mm -hmm. Now, you can be made to care about it when you can compare and contrast the things that are being said. And this is the thing that the Trump campaign and its acolytes that the the cult of MAGA need to be very careful of as this primary season continues on. They need to be very careful to make sure that they don't cross the line over and over and over and over again because it can turn into real life and how the DeSantis campaign uses it. It gets mentioned in the caucus circles, right? It gets brought up that, hey, these people are, this is, this is the level of morality that exists within the MAGA forever cult. Do we really want to go down that road again? It can be used, but the reality is that the people who support Ron DeSantis versus Donald Trump or vice versa in real life have not a lot of the same talking points as the online people do. Right. Now, I will say this, though. The one main talking point that is the same is that uh, Donald Trump can do no wrong and Ron DeSantis is uh, a de, uh, ungrateful cuck, if you will. You see that talking point a lot when you talk to people in real life who are Trump supporters. Um, now, I also think that the majority of people who I see supporting Trump right now that I talk to in real life are wide open to potentially supporting somebody else. And that bears out that poll that we talked about last week where it was something like 46% of those who claimed that they would vote for Trump in the primary are open to another candidate. And that was my point is that we are far from over in terms of being able to peel those people off. The other part of the equation in terms of what happens going forward is how does Donald Trump interact with the rest of the field? And what do I mean by that? Does he ignore them? Does he not show up to the debate? Does he not engage his primary, primary opponent? If so, he runs the risk of that aloofness, that cult-like MAGA forever figure. And that will turn a significant portion of that 46% off. And then what happens? Because lest we forget that if he doesn't win New Hampshire, because he's not, probably not going to win Iowa, I, I have a feeling that's going either Ron DeSantis or, um, or Tim Scott. I have a feeling that that's the direction that that is going. And that goes to Ron DeSantis showing up and showing he cares versus the speech that was given at the Iowa Lincoln Day dinner from Donald Trump, which was just literally a laundry list of you better pay fealty for, to me because this is these are the things that I did for you, quote unquote. So there's a lot of a lot of trickeration going on there that that'll play out in the next few months. I would suggest not showing up to that debate would be Trump's biggest mistake. But make no mistake about it. What you read online and all of the outrage and the the emotion and the emoting and 
and I try my best to not get involved in it, it's very difficult to not get involved in. But understand this, pull out a little bit, have conversations with your friends or family that either are on that side or are on the DeSantis side or whatever. You're going to find those conversations online are not the same ones that are happening in real life. And I think, I think if you're, for those that are paying attention, like, like the real people that are paying attention to this election, um, especially those that, because like, I I know people that are, are pretty much MAGA, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I have those in my family that are MAGA. Um, However, you know, they're open to I'll vote for whoever the nominee is at this point, depending because they're they're watching to see what happens with Donald Trump and these indictments and then his impending trials that are coming up. All right. So having said that. Um, we should probably move forward to your first truth or fiction here, Pat. OK. All right. Truth or fiction. The Big Ten will eventually kick out Northwestern and Rutgers for bigger programs. um i am going to go with truth okay and it has nothing to do with bigger programs per se here's how here's why i'm gonna go with truth it actually has everything to do with the internal politics and internal realities of these various um, athletic departments. So let's take Rutgers first. They've been an abject and abysmal failure on every level. Lest we forget that they used to be one of the most powerful women's basketball programs in the country. Are they that anymore? No. They're middling at best inside the conference, which is one of the more dominant women's basketball conferences. They used to be pretty damn good at baseball. Not so much anymore. Um, Their lacrosse program, pretty good. Not so much anymore. Their basketball program, ironically, has gotten better, right? They they are much, much, much more competitive than they were when they first entered the Big Ten. I will give them credit for that. But their football program is an absolute embarrassment. It's utter lack of any sort of competitiveness, even a blip of competitiveness. I think there's something like 13 and 60s, whatever it is. In fact, let me go ahead and take a, a quick gander at this, Pat. But my but the um hang on one second here. Well, the, I, I, I was, I was going to say this while you're looking that up. Um, their their football team has made improvements the last couple of years since hiring Greg Schiano as their head coach again. Um, it's still pretty abysmal, though, in terms of how it compares to the rest of the Big Ten and what you would expect out of a Big Ten school, especially in football. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, I think I don't think they have made a bowl game since joining the conference. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, yeah, just just bad. I, I, I just. Just wow. Wow, 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 wow. They've only had 66 players ever drafted in the NFL, by the way. 
which ranks them oh, wow. 88th. Aren't they, don't they claim to be like the birthplace of college football or something like they, that? Yeah, they. it was Rutgers and Princeton that played the very first college football game. Ah, okay. So no questions asked there. Um, but in terms of the Big Ten, all time, let's just take away since they joined. They are 26 and 97. Ooh. They only have a winning record against one team. Northwestern and they're three and two. They have losing records to Indiana, Maryland, Illinois, Michigan state, Michigan, Penn state. They have never beaten Wisconsin, Ohio state, Nebraska, Minnesota, or Iowa. The way they beat Michigan. Way back in the day. Okay. Well, let's, let's find out. We can, uh, we can do that for you. Yeah, I, I don't remember them beating Michigan. I, I would be very impressed if they did. Yeah, I, I don't remember. So the current win streak is Michigan uh, having won eight games from 2015 to 2022. So, so it had, it had uh, Rutgers won the first matchup, I believe, in 2014 between these two teams. I was going to say it would have had to have been. It was 2014. Yeah. Okay. How do I know it? Because it's the longest win streak of all time in this series for Rutgers, and it happened in 2014. Gotcha. But okay. the, the, the point of the matter is this. They have been abysmal from a competitive standpoint, and none of that even is going to matter to me. What matters is the fact that they are $200 million in debt right now as an athletic department, despite, despite, going from 20 million at best in their last conference deal. I think it was somewhere closer to 15, if I remember correctly, before they joined the Big Ten. And yes, they didn't get a full share right away in the Big Ten, but it was still significantly higher than what they were getting in the Big East. Okay? They are $200 million in debt. How the hell do you get out of that? That... That some of that debt is well, in fact, ironically, most of that debt has nothing to do with building the replacement for the rack, by the mm-hmm. way, uh, which is the the basketball uh, arena that they that they are now growing out of because they are more competitive. Most of that has been privately paid for, by the way, but two hundred million dollars in debt. Okay, the so reason then- why Maryland ironically looked at the Big Ten as as the viable option is because it saved them from being insolvent. So that's Rutgers. The reason why you would kick them out is because they can't compete because they're so far in debt to the point in which they have no competitiveness to them. So let's go ahead and move to Northwestern real quick. Pat. Before you before you do really quick, if you're gonna kick if you're gonna kick Rutgers out and you're the Big Ten and you want to keep the New York market right, which is the whole which is pretty much the whole point the Big Ten took Rutgers in the first place was the um, all the television deals and stuff within that market, right? Yep. Because we talked about that yesterday. Who do you replace Rutgers with? Syracuse? No. You don't need to. Because you have already planted your flag in the market, right? So the Big Ten Network, uh, the the reason you were able to get the Big Ten, you have to remember the Big Ten Network was a very young network back when they made 
Rutgers a partner, right, and joining the yeah. conference. It was it was only three or four years old at that point. Now it's an established brand. It's part of the the cable package. It's part of um, your available networks. Streaming is a thing that it wasn't back then. At least so much as in so much as the ability to to market it and use it as a standalone program, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need it. You don't need Rutgers. You don't. So you could go after you could go after a bigger program like uh, Clemson or Florida State. Then, if you're yeah, the there's no. And I'm yeah. going to be abundantly clear on this. There's no way in hell Clemson joins the Big Ten. Oh sure, sure. I, I'm just saying, like, like because the Big Ten won't allow Clemson in. Okay, right. Let's be abundantly clear on that. But as for Northwestern, two issues within that athletic department, one of which is the myriad of lawsuits coming their way um, in regards to the hazing operation that is alleged to have gone on within the athletic department. That will that could financially cripple it, and that's an important aspect of this. But not only that. But at the same time that that black eye is is on the program, they're attempting to try to build a replacement for uh, Ryan Field. The grossest, disgust, most disgusting, awful excuse for a for a um, stadium a, in the Big Ten. It's it's a high school field, basically. Yeah, if you literally, folks, if you've never been there, that's what it is. The concessions are disgustingly bad. They are literally what you would serve at your high school local football game. You know, the booster club gets together and throws some hot dogs in the the warmer. And uh, you got some chips, maybe, you know, something that nobody has to physically make and touch, right, as your options. It's just awful. Now, I will give them credit. They have done a good job of attempting the tailgate stuff outside. Like, they've done, like, a, a, a tailgate area in which they bring in food trucks and You've got various beer vendors and stuff like that, and they've done a good job with that. I'll give them that. But inside the stadium, it's god-awful. How the hell, if they don't build, and this is the thing that I have heard from the sources I still have within the conference, if they don't build that new stadium, they're as good as gone. Because the Big Ten's not going to put up with showcasing Ryan Field from a visual perspective anymore. That's the reality. It's also the reality that they don't have the facilities to accommodate at least a modicum of decent um, locker rooms for visiting programs. In fact, the vast majority of programs rent out trailers. They're tr- they are literally changing having meetings, doing all of those things, pregame, halftime, all of that, in a damn trailer, like a like an 18-wheeler trailer. When you're when you're about to get 60 million a year, right? In television revenue, you think that flies? So if they don't if if they don't get that going and it doesn't happen, and by the way, we're not talking about them building some 60,000 seat montro- uh, monstrosity. We're talking about maybe a 30 to 35,000 seat place. Which is perfect for the the amount of fans that they get coming in to see Indiana versus Northwestern, right? They might get right. 25,000 for a game like that, whereas they might sell out for a Wisconsin, uh Michigan, and Ohio State, Michigan State, you know, 
um, the ones that are really easy trips, they're as good as gone. I'm telling you that right now because the Big Ten will not put up with it when they can dangle the carrot in front of Florida State. When they can dangle the carrot in front of UNC and plant their flag literally in the backyard of the SEC. Make no mistake about it. That's what they would do in a freaking heartbeat. Because what do those schools also offer, Pat? Great academics. Mm-hmm. Which matters to the Big Ten. Uh, so, so I mean, because I, I ultimately at least went in, in, in partially truth on this because I think they definitely kick out Rutgers um, eventually. I think Northwestern has a question mark because I think it depends on what Northwestern does and what comes out of the whole hazing thing. Um, yeah, they're not helping themselves. I'm telling you no, that right now. They, aren't. they are not helping themselves. The, the only thing with Northwestern that I will say t- to you before I get your rest, the rest of your opinion is let's also consider they are one of the founding members of the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. So that that, that would be that 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 would be kind of like like the the the, the crutch of the situation. But I, I do think they kick out Rutgers. I I. I have a question mark around Northwestern, but if, if you're going to replace them, I think North Carolina, like you mentioned, is going to be at the top of that list. Um, I've heard Florida State thrown around. Um, it, that makes you know, a ton of sense. Which, it yeah. really does, to pair mm-hmm. with UNC. Yeah. So I, I think I think those both of those programs probably make the most sense. The um, only other one I would watch out for is Virginia, by the way. I was going to say one of the Virginia schools, I think, would be yeah, not Virginia the, Tech, the, but Virginia. Yeah. Um, because of its academic mm-hmm. and athletic profile, right? It's got great right. basketball, great, yeah. uh, really good um, baseball, you know, all the other things. <clears throat> and its football program is more than capable of be, being competitive on, on a semi annual or every four year basis. Yeah. I was going to say it's, it's, it's not. not it's not Rutgers, that's for sure. Um, so it's definitely fallen on harder times than when when I was growing up in the '90s. Virginia football in the '90s was a legit football program, <laughs> and it yeah, um, yeah. just hasn't been lately. But it's yeah. more than capable. And and North Carolina, the North Carolina football program has been up and coming over the last few years. Um, but I mean, we'll see how that la- how long that lasts when it's uh, offensive coordinators now at Wisconsin. By the way, well, that's true. And then uh, on top of that. You know, I don't think you would just. I mean, on top of the the academics, if you're going to look at sports, you're not really adding them for football. You're adding them for basketball. Yeah, to be honest. So yeah, right off the bat, you are correct. Absolutely yeah. correct. Okay. With that being said, I think now is a great time for us to transition a little bit and let's play the B or not the B on this Truth or Fiction Tuesday. All right. Are you ready for today's headline? You hit me with it. Presbyterian pastor wearing Planned Parenthood stole praises abortion, celebrates two of her own. Presbyterian pastor wearing Planned Parenthood stole praises abortion, celebrates two of her own. And folks, while you are thinking about whether or not this is truth or fiction, and while Pat is thinking about that, um, think about where you want to live. And uh, if you're in Chicago, Uh, My suggestion is get the. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The hell out while you still can. Um, you are watching taxes go up. Uh, you are watching your services dwindle. You are watching a migrant crisis that they are incapable of really handling. Uh, you are watching all sorts of craziness happening. So if you are considering relocating for work to Chicago, which is weird, um, or getting out, um, talk to moi, myself. You can find me, just search me on uh, Google, Andrew Coppins Realtor. It'll pop right up over at Compass here in Chicago, by the way, uh, the number one real estate company in the country um, in terms of volume and market share. Uh, so even if you are relocating outside of Chicago, I can help you find an absolutely 100% qualified agent, and more importantly, an agent that holds the values that we do um, within Compass. And that will make all the difference, and it can make all the difference. So I urge you to educate yourself to make an informed decision. You can go to my website. You can book some time with me and uh, discuss your needs. Um, again, you can also follow me. It's at Andrew Coppins Realtor um, on Instagram. Uh, you can follow, you can find me on TikTok as well, um, but you can just go to Compass and search me um, or just Google Andrew Coppins Realtor um, Chicago and it will pop right up for you. With that being said, Pat, do you need the headline one more time? One more time? Presbyterian pastor wearing Planned Parenthood stole praises abortion celebrates two of her own. Is this the B or not the B? That's too real for it to be the Babylon B, so I'm going to go with not to be. Well, thank you. You've added $100 to our central bank digital currency account being held at Wells Fargo, which we have no access to because ESG. And Wells Fargo is a bunch of bastards. <clears throat> Rebecca Todd Peters, a professor, author, and Presbyterian Church USA quote-unquote pastor, used her pulpit to preach the literal doctrine of demons by celebrating child sacrifice in God's house. That's right. The, uh, the pastor preaches a sermon where she slams pro-lifers and celebrates two of her own abortions. Quote, I feel no guilt, no shame, no sin. She denounces the culture of, quote-unquote, stigma and shame around child sacrifice, er, abortion. She even talks about, quote, women and people who have had abortions, as if there's any non-woman that could or has had an abortion. How, how is this woman a pastor? 
It's the Presbyterian church, no less. This isn't exactly the wokest of woke. I mean, it's getting there. Yeah. But, but, but how, how I, I, I don't know, Pat. I, Somebody's going to lose their job. I think. Yes. Mm. Which reminds me, I'm tomorrow. We're going to watch a little video on WTF Wednesday because it's not about takes. Um, we're we're really working hard to make sure that we separate takes out of WTF Wednesday. But um, may I suggest that the spirit of the age is very alive and very, very, very good at spreading its message inside the true, the good, and the beautiful, a.k.a. the Catholic Church, and elsewhere. Uh, and this is a fine example of that. Because if at any point in time your pastor says, go ahead and kill the babies, get I, I'm not crapping you. You stand up, you denounce the doctrine of demons, and you walk the hell out of that church, you stop your tithing, you literally never go back again. Walk out. And maybe you're alone. But the next time that happens, people are going to remember you walking out. And maybe the next time, two people walk out. And the next time, three. And then 30. You get where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. It is okay mm-hmm. to be different. We have talked about this for the longest time. Get used to being different. It's okay to be different. It really is. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Another way of saying, get used to being different. If you want change, it doesn't happen by just sitting there and taking it. By the way, it does no good to call a meeting with the pastor who just preached actual demonology from the from the pulpit. Right. Doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, doesn't do you good. any good. They've, yeah. uh, unless you are going to preach to them about the good, the true, and the beautiful, and God's Creatures, the beauty of birth, the beauty of life, and unless they're actually open to it, nah. The only thing they respond to is your power, and your power is to not be involved in that church. And suddenly when that church and its wallet dries up, you'll be really not surprised to to find out how quickly that doctrine of demons um, no longer appears at the pulpit. Now, it might still live in the heart of that person, which is another story for another time. But this is some absolute demon shit. This is demonic. I've had not one, but two abortions, and I'm proud of it. Let me shout it from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. You, there's only one explanation for that. And that is the spirit of the age is alive and well in the church. All right. With that being said, Pat, and now is a great time for us to move forward. And let's go ahead with your uh, truth or fiction, your second one. All right. Truth or fiction. The GOP candidates getting up on DeSantis at the debate, especially if Trump doesn't show up, will only help DeSantis. Interessante. That's a very interesting idea. Um 
I'm going to go with truth on this, and it, and it has absolutely nothing, by the way, to do with, um, for me, Trump showing up or not. Because what, what ends up happening is then, number one, he is the spotlight, right? Everybody's going after him, including Trump. Let's say Trump does show up. You know Trump is going after him. But number sure. two, he shows how he can handle it and differentiates himself from Donald Trump. By the way, he might actually have some of the same messaging um, it, or same ways of, quote unquote, dealing with um, those that come after him. But he will do it in a manner that's very different and much more eye pleasing, if you will. Right. It's much more pleasing on the eye and the ear than how Donald Trump does it. And by the way, Donald Trump is not helping himself with his truth social uh, stuff. And the way that he's going after people like that, because we talked about back in the, the front half of the show about what we talked about how online is not real life, except for when you're the candidate. <coughs> That's the caveat to that. When you're the candidate, what you say online matters. Now, I will say this. Most people are not on truth social, right? So what kind right. of influence does that have? Well, it's the only place in which we can understand the true thoughts of Donald Trump because it's the only place that he's not sitting in front of a teleprompter giving some sort of speech. Right. Because that's been the difference between him now and in 2016, by the way. How he handles his public appearance, very buttoned up compared to 2016, right? Until he goes off script and then you see it again. So... I think it helps DeSantis because it builds him into a, a greater figure. And this is always the, the rub of a debate like that is that you can't, you, you have to be careful not to over elevate another candidate. You have to be careful to elevate yourself. So if I were on the other side, how would I handle this? <clears throat> I would let Ron DeSantis talk and then I would contrast Ron DeSantis with what I believe. And I wouldn't even mention his name. I would say other candidates on this stage believe X, Y, Z. And here's what I believe on this subject. And here's why my belief is better than the others. Leave his name out of it. But it's easier said than done. And I firmly believe if Trump goes after DeSantis, it will be an absolute loss for Trump because it will remind everybody of all the things they hate about Trump. And it will show that Ron DeSantis has the fight that Trump had, but without the baggage. And that's the, that is the number one thing that I talk to people. If you don't like the baggage of Trump, but you like his policies, then why are you not supporting Ron DeSantis? I don't understand it. Because he is literally that, plus, plus, plus he doesn't have the albatross of COVID around his neck. And plus he doesn't have the albatross of all the personal foibles and the absolute asinine attacks that, that um, has been made personally by Trump. He has none Definitely. of the personal foibles and all of the policy that you like. He, he also doesn't have the legal crap going on either. Mm -hmm. That's why I think it would be a mistake for Trump to show up, honestly, 
because it would be that compare and contrast moment, and he doesn't want it. It would also be a mistake for him to not show up from the perspective of what does that say to the voters? Right. And then that's kind of where my there, there's the catch 22 because he can't help yep. himself when he's on that stage. He won't be able to help himself. And Ron DeSantis will probably bait him into it just by simply saying the word COVID. Well, and I think I think if you're Donald Trump, I think if you show up to the debate, it gives you a chance to say, hey, this is this is what's really going on. This is what they're trying to do. And and then you can kind of compare and contrast that to the rest of the field on that stage. And just remind people, hey, hey, this is what we were able to accomplish. You know, it, it serves serve as a serve as the reminder of like what times were like before COVID. Yeah. Yep. You know. Yep. So I, that, that's that's what I would do if I were Donald Trump. But that's just me. That being said, I I go with truth with this as well, but I with from a slightly different perspective. One of which is, I believe Nikki Haley actually said as much that they would go after focus on DeSantis if Trump wasn't there. Um, so I, I mean, I haven't been able to find exactly where that was or when she said that, but I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, and, but this doesn't matter if Trump shows up or not. It really doesn't matter mm-hmm. um, because you're right. Trump is going to go after DeSantis because he sees DeSantis as the number one threat to his campaign. <coughs> now does the rest of the field gang up on him at that point. Why not? I mean, they get to take somebody out potentially if uh, in helping Donald Trump take someone out and that eliminates their competition from Ron DeSantis. So I don't see why they wouldn't do that. Um, however, this helps Ron DeSantis only in the in the fact that if Ron DeSantis doesn't crap the bed um, in his answers and and how he articulates himself with, throughout that debate. Now, I don't have any reason to believe why he would do that considering what he's done thus far um so i the reason why it only helps him is because then it gives him a real chance to showcase i am donald trump without being donald trump in terms of his personality i i agree and do a lot of his policies and and by the way the Um, other part of this equation is you can also contrast that mm. you get what time it is. Great example right. of this is what right. he talks about when it comes to the 2020 election. Because here's what he's going to get into. He's going to challenge him on that election being stolen, but he knows what we know Ron DeSantis right. does. And and he talked about it in, I believe, an NBC News interview just this week where he said, quote, why did we have all those mail-in votes? Because of Trump turned the government over to Fauci. They embraced lockdowns. They did the CARES Act, which, which what? Funded mail-in ballots across the country. Donald Trump signed that bill that funded the mail-in or the mail-out, excuse me, ballots. Because it's not mail-in ballots. It's mail-out. Mail-in ballots have existed for a long time. Those are just called what? Uh, absentee, absentee ballots. Absentee ballots. Exactly. You had to mail them in. You had to request them. They were mailed to you and then mailed back. This time, what happened because of the CARES Act? They just mailed them to people, whether you requested it or not. So that being said, he gets to really contrast himself to Trump. And then because nobody else really holds a candle in this race right now to either Trump or DeSantis. 
it really only helps DeSantis at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I a thousand percent agree. All right. So finally, my last truth or fiction for today, and it's just this one. I'm going to play these clips on repeat, and this is how you beat Joe Biden. When Joe Biden, our elected president, entered the room, when he approached me, his words to me were, my, w- my wife Jill and I know how you feel. We lost our son as well and brought him home in a flag-draped coffin. My heart started beating faster and I started shaking knowing that their son died from cancer and they were able to be by his side. Also wondering how someone could honestly, sorry, be so heartless to say he knew how I felt a little over 24 hours and learning of my son's death. After this encounter, I have never had any personal correspondence, nor has my son been honored or his name spoken by this commander in chief or his administration on what I feel is because of their failures and poor planning to exit our troops from Afghanistan. To have the ambassador to Afghanistan changed out midway through all of this should be a huge red flag. Why was that done? Because the prior ambassador was not on board with the decisions being made and the way it was being handled? If that's the case, then something needs to be done. In closing, I'm calling out Secretary Blinken, Secretary Austin, General Milley, General McKenzie, Lieutenant Colonel Whited, who could not give the order to the snipers to take out the bomber before he detonated his vest and ultimately the president. Do what our son did. Be a grown-ass man. Admit to your mistakes. Learn from them so that this doesn't happen ever, ever again. You all need to resign immediately. Our sons and daughters have more integrity in their little toes than every one of them combined. You owe it to our families here today, to the other gold and silver star families that have gone before, and most of all, to the veterans who have given so much for this country so that we have the freedoms that we enjoy today. Thank you. Thank you. Quick thoughts there, Pat. So I want to be careful on how I answer this Um, because I don't want to downplay what was just said in these clips and I don't want to downplay what these families have been through. I I don't want to do that. However, I, I have to go with fiction here. And, And the reason why I'm going to go with fiction is not that what was said here was unimportant. It's very important. And yes, I do think these clips should be played on repeat. My thing is, when it comes down to it, because especially if Donald Trump is the nominee, okay, do do we really believe 
that shenanigans aren't going to happen again in the 2024 election? Do we really believe that your never Trump voters are going to hold their breath and vote for Trump because Biden did this? I don't think so. I don't I don't believe that for a second. I with what we saw in the 2020 election. It was I mean, it, it was hate voting. People people voted for Biden because they hated Donald Trump. Um, plus, there was shenanigans going on. We know this. OK, so knowing what time it is. Yes, I think for for people like you and me, this would be absolutely enough to say, hey, I'm not voting for Joe Biden. Of course. But I think for your average voter out there, especially if they don't like Donald Trump and they don't like his policies, this isn't going to matter. Mm. Okay, that's that's a valid point. And I'm going to see your valid point and raise you a second one. What if it's not Donald Trump? And if it's Ron DeSantis? Because if, what, what does Ron DeSantis have that Joe Biden doesn't? Actual freaking military service. Right, right. Okay. You're right. So there's that. But here's the second point. You you brought up the average voter who might not be paying attention all the time or the mm-hmm. average voter who doesn't like the personality of Donald Trump. What would ring truer? The quote-unquote personality of Donald Trump or the remembrance that this is what Joe Biden did? Um, in, in today's culture, I, 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 I honestly, tell you, if you continue to play this on repeat mm. every single day in the fall of 2024, these you, you clip it, you know, 10 seconds here, 10 seconds there, 10 seconds mm-hmm. with the candidate. And it is on every Saturday and every Sunday in the fall. That Joe Biden is a senile, dishonest bastard. When it comes to this, this is some of the grossest stuff. Well, oh, we had totally a flag draped coffin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was likely a flag draped coffin because he served. But your insinuation was what? The American people won't put up with that. The American people, this highlights every insecurity of the Biden campaign, right? This highlights everything that people fear about Joe Biden, that he is incompetent, that he's incapable, that he is, um, that he is perhaps going through dementia, right? This highlights the three main fears that most people have. So if I am doing any sort of advocacy for a candidate, this is 1000% swift boat, right? Remember that. And and, and what and what won that election, by the way, the swift boats, it had nothing to do with John Kerry being uh, an unlikable liar. It had everything to do with, ironically, yes, being an unlikable liar, but doing so in the name of, quote unquote, his service to the country. And Joe Biden has wrapped himself in the sacrifice of his family and the tragedy of the Biden family, right? Right. This reminds that, people of yeah. everything that they don't like about Joe Biden and his family. This You don't even have to go down the road of Hunter Biden and all of the other things to remind them that they have attempted to profit off of the name of tragedy. 
And by the way, these these commercials are not about profiting off a of tragedy. They are about highlighting the real emotions of people and the real words and the real things that Joe Biden and his family did to these people in their most vulnerable moments. And look, I'm not saying don't use these clips at all. That, that's not my point. I just don't think that that this will be enough to simply say this will be Joe Biden at the end of the day. That That's all I'm saying. I think you have to couple this with other things. Well, of course. But, but literally, if I am doing any sort of candidate marketing, any sort of advertising, this is it. And at the very end of that clip, I'm Ron DeSantis, and my service will always, always be a reminder of what I need to do for these families and or something around that nature. Being able to tie his actual service to understanding this because he served not just in an infantry division or anything else. He was a freaking Navy SEAL, okay? So lest we forget that. The, the point of the matter is that you literally just get to play this and say, do you want me or him leading us forward in an era in which China is an increasing, you know what I mean? In an era in which China and Russia and, and Iran are buddy, 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 would you trust the man who can't even tell the truth to people and, and the decision that was made back then? Or do you want to trust somebody who understands what it's like to run special operations? And all of that, right? You you could do it a thousand different ways. But it's the highlight of incompetence versus competence, dementia versus youth, relative, right? Quite literally, Ron DeSantis could be Joe Biden's grandson. <laughs> if you think about it. Joe Biden's yeah. about to be 80 years old, folks. And Ron DeSantis is, what, 40-something? 40 45? Somewhere yeah. around there? Yeah. 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 That would make him old enough to be the grandson. Mm-hmm. Think about that. And for me, this is, this is the potential to be a swift boat. But uh, anyway... This has been Truth or Fiction Tuesday. Your final thoughts, Pat. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And Rutgers or Northwestern are the uh, butt of the Big Ten football programs right now. That is very, very true. And unfortunately for Northwestern, that is a very bad pun. (laughs) With that being said, Please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals today. And as always, Matthew 547. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.